Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids. I am Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, father of five kids. I'm a legal columnist at Practical Homeschooling Magazine and the author of the teen fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries. On that note, by the way, I've got a secret to tell you all today. I've been working with Loyola Press on the release of book five in that series, which is due out late this year. We've been working on the cover and a historical note. And you're going to be the first to hear uh, what this is about. It's going to be a murder mystery whodunit, tentatively titled Murder at Penwood Manor. That's our next installment in that series. But today we're going to be speaking with Chris Smith, who's a youth group leader and a teacher at a Catholic school and an author in his own right. And we'll be speaking about how to help kids find their identity in Christ instead of in all the trappings of this world. My guest today is Chris Smith. He teaches catechesis at a Catholic school in Canada, and he runs a youth group at his local parish. He also writes stories set in the fantasy world of Bon Vida, which he created actually as a kid and has continued to write in that area. In fact, he released his first novel, Bon Vida's Awakening, in November of 2022. Uh, again, he's been writing since he was young, uh, and he lives with his family in a black lab in a small rural town in Ontario, Canada. Chris, welcome to The Shepherd's Pie. Thank you so much for having me. So you are one of these folks who was an author as a kid and continued to write. Uh, yeah, I was one of those folks, too. It took me till my 40s to finally get something published, though. So you've got a leg up on me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into writing, and, and we'll take it from there. So I got into writing, as you said, in second grade. From there, I just continued to write, and I would play with my action figures or with my friends. Then I ended up making this the world Bon Vida. And then from there, I would write short stories. And as I grew older, my family members said, you should turn this into a book. So I grabbed all my files and all my papers and bad stickman drawings and turned it into a book. You know, that's funny because Sometimes when I do classroom visits, I, I'll talk at Catholic schools to, you know, middle school kids about writing or my books or whatever. And I do. I have all my high school writings saved and they're so terrible. They're so horribly horrible. How were you able to salvage what you wrote as a kid and kind of turn it into a novel as an adult? My understanding is you're almost 30, so you're not a kid anymore. I had like those like file folders when I was like 10 years old. So like I would like write them and I would put them in there and save them. And did you actually use uh, some of the plot lines in those stories to sort of develop into your novel? I did. I used for the first book, I used a good chunk of the storyline. Yeah, you know what? That's why I, I always tell authors, save everything, because you never know when you later on could come back to it and, and develop it further. So I've got a bunch of stuff just stuck in drawers from many years of sort of stop and go writing that I say, yeah, you never know. Maybe I'll go back and pull one of those suckers out one of these days. So Chris, tell us a little bit about your work with youth in that youth group and in your Catholic school and, and how you interact with youth today. I've been working with youth for a long, long time. So I served with NET Ministries in Ireland. NET stands for National Evangelization Team. So it's there's NETs in the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Ireland, and Uganda. And it's 
all these youth ages 18 to about 30, they're sent to training, they're put on teams, and then they're out across the country. And the mission is to spread the word of Jesus and bring others to him through groups and retreats. It was probably the one of the best times of my life working with these at first strangers, but then they became like brothers and sisters and doing retreats and youth groups and going to schools, ministering to these kids of all these ages was really enlightening. And it was amazing to see, again, like their growth from when we started September and then when we had to go in June. After serving on net ministries in Ireland, I heard about this Catholic school, private Catholic school in my area. And I applied and then the principal was like, okay, you're going to teach catechesis, which I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this is great. So I'm still am like working with these amazing students where like you're teaching them about the faith, but they're also teaching you and you get to like journey with them as well, like with them and their family, which is even better. And then the youth group, the kids are amazing. They love the idea of like mission and helping others. Wow, that sounds like a great ministry. So you got to work with youth a lot over the course of your your life already, uh, kids of all different ages. All right, so tell us a little bit about Bon Vida's Awakening. This is your first book that you released in November, and it's in this fantasy world. So Bon Vida's Awakening, so Atticus is my, my main lead, and he learns that he's from this ancient bloodline. And he's the only one that can hold this special sword, which is titled the Sword of Bon Vida. And he has to find these shards that created the land and put them into his sword, and that will help the sword defeat the different darkness that has taken over the land. So in book one, it's this guy, Lovenesis, and he's escaped this realm called Cal's Reeve with his little minions, and he's taken over the land, and it's up to Atticus to take on this title of Chosen One and defeat him. So this sounds like fantasy that definitely a young adult or teenager would really get into. It's got all the trappings of those exciting fantasy worlds that, you know, I grew up with, with uh, J.R. Tolkien, especially. Uh, so did you write this for a young audience? And and how do you bring uh, your faith into this, if at all? I did write it for a young audience. So it's written for, I would say, 12 and up. And bringing the faith into it was probably one of my main goals. Like, as you mentioned, Tolkien, he's he's great. And C.S. Lewis. So I wanted to kind of mimic what they did, where they, like, hid little things throughout the story or with their characters. So doing that was a lot of fun. Like, there's, like, points in the book where it's, like, obvious, where I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And this is how I can connect it to the faith. And then there's other points where it kind of just happened. And I didn't realize it until someone mentions like, oh, so like there's a scene where Dane, so Atticus's father and mother had to escape with him as a baby. And someone's like, oh, that's like the flight to Egypt. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. I didn't do that on purpose, but it like people are finding these connections, the ones that I put in and like other ones that I didn't even think about. Yeah, I find that that's got to be true because we, we're all writing from sort of our own worldview and experience. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the stories of faith that we grew up with just are sort of part of our DNA now, probably. So, all right. So your character, I know we, we said we're going to talk about identity 
you know, in our faith and in Christ. Does that come up as a theme in your book and maybe kind of set that up for us a little bit and in, in how you approach it in your in your novel? Yes. So Atticus, he starts his journey and he wants to be a knight. That's his like dream in life. He wants to be a knight for the kingdom. But in his mind that he's like, he wants to be a knight. He wants to be a soldier and he wants the sword because he's like, the sword is what makes the knight the best, gives him the power and all this, this identity. And then he stumbles upon his truth when he falls into this mysterious well. And then he's told that he's born of this bloodline. He's the chosen one. And now he has to take that up. And then he's like, whoa, okay, I can do this. And then he's handed the sword. And then throughout the journey, he slowly starts to take this sword and the identity of the chosen one, like real. So like, there's a point where he's like, he has his friends, his friends and his companions that are with him who are like helping him in this journey, but knows that but the sword is, is really helping him. It's like, that's, that's what's making him do all this work. That's making him, it's going to make him save the land. And then he's realizing this error. And then he's like, I've been weak because... I've been taking this sword as my identity, but really the sword was gifted to me. I was chosen by the creator of the land to do this mission. Interesting. So it's like he was finding his identity in the sword and he has to learn to find his identity, in fact, in, in who he really is. So why did you decide to kind of explore this idea of identity in Christ and you're contrasting about the identity with the sword in your story? Did that have anything to do with all the experience you've had working with youth in the last decade? It did. I think it started with me whenever I, a long time ago, whenever I think I was like 17 or 18, I had to give a, a talk about identity in Christ. And when I gave that talk, I learned a lot about myself and my relationship with Jesus. So that became like a big thing for me is like, people are told, youth are told you're a child of God, but it's the point where you hear it, but you have to like experience it through like retreats or like through like adoration or anything like that. So it was like a really important thing for me. So I needed the story to focus on that as well for Atticus because the awakening part of the title, that's what it is. His awakening to realize his identity was not in, in the sword, but in who he was. Wow. So when you talk about identity in Christ, what does that mean to you? And, and how do you sort of translate that into your fantasy world of Bonvita too? We're all created in his image and likeness. And he gave us all these unique talents to better his kingdom and to like spread his word. But it's also tough doing that in this world where we're told you, know, you have to dress this way you have to do all these different things so taking that and forming it into a story was a lot of fun and a super like important thing for me you're around youth all the time where do you see them finding their identity when it's not in their faith or in christ usually it's like with sports a recreational activity or sometimes with maybe like if they're into music or really like video games and they're like really good at video games and they're like in competitions they really find their identity in that it is something to encourage but it's also something where you're like this is your gift use it for the goodness of god and even through it if you're playing hockey on your team to be like guys let's say a prayer before we go out because you're bringing in that child of god into your sport and kind of even like sort of evangelizing to your teammates 
What about in Ireland? Are the kids that you worked with in Ireland much different than the ones that we have here in the United States just because of the different cultural background? Or are they kind of struggling with all the same things that you see here? They are struggling with the same things we deal with here. They're very sarcastic in Ireland. I mean, they've grown up in a different culture as well, where they've been through different battles and persecutions compared to here in North America, where we we haven't really dealt with that. It is a different environment, but all of the youth have, I've seen them with the same thing. All right. So let's talk a little bit about ways that we as adults, whether we're you know youth leaders or teachers or whether we're just parents and grandparents, how can we help to form the youths in our lives to try to find their identity more in, in Christ and less in, in the things in this world? And I don't know, you've worked with the kids of a lot of ages, so I don't know, maybe start with some of the younger kids? Have you uh, seen anything that seems to work with the younger ones? For them, I think it's about them finding their talents and their gifts. For like, there might be one kid who you notice is really good at writing stories, but there's another kid who is really musically talented and encouraging that through them, through their life, so that when they get older, they, they can continue to use that gift. All right. And then how about once we move up a little bit more into the middle school years, the audience that I sometimes write for? Middle school years. I love that age. There's so much fun. For them, I found sometimes there's like maybe like a bit of discouragement with their talents. Oh, I'm not good at anything. It's like, yes, you are. And then you like list off a bunch of stuff. So it's a continuing of encouragement and then kind of like showing them and like helping them to like live that and to continue to grow in that gift and talent. And then high school? High school kids, I know they know their talent. They know where they stand. And for them, it's helping them practice and challenging them. We have all these different ages. They're focused on their individual talents. Uh, Some of them may be finding their identity in those talents. Now, how do we sort of take that and start directing it to their faith or to Christ? Well, first thing is like talk to them about it, telling them that this is a talent God gave them. One thing I like to do is relate it to the parable of the talents, pray with them, get them onto a retreat, send them where they can grow closer to God. And then through that, they can grow deeper in their talents. I mean, what is it about retreats that you think are so effective with youth? For retreats, it's the idea just like you're away, you're with maybe like a group of missionaries or you're with people in your area that are leading this retreat. They're playing games with you, they're giving talks, they're sharing their stories. And most of those relate to like finding yourself and your relationship with the Lord. I love retreats and I like encourage them for youth because you do grow and you always do get something out of it, even if you don't want to go. The people that don't want to go, you know, by the end of it, there's always something that nabs them. Yeah, you know, even going back to my youth that's going to retreats and then working with youth and bringing them to retreats over the years, it is true. Like there's something about you get them in in a retreat environment where they're away from things and you know, they have to start really thinking about their faith or just having this downtime, get away from their phones and everything else. There is something where the Lord seems to be able to work on us in those environments. All right. So when you bring it back to your character in Bon Vita's Awakening, 
ultimately, are, are there any lessons that you, you're hoping the youth will draw from how your character ultimately finds his identity and his creator instead of in his sword? Yeah, like I said, he like finds his strengths in his swords. We'll say that's his talent. Uh, that's where he finds his strength. That's where he finds himself. And sometimes he'll not even think about those around him or about who he actually is to the point where that actually makes him weak. And then he needs to realize within himself, yes, I'm the chosen one. I hold this sword, but that's not who I am. Well, it sounds like uh, he definitely goes on that journey, that hero's journey that we often talk about in, uh, in our writing. And on the flip side of our entertainment segment, I understand that you also uh, use a movie with your kids. That might be another way to emphasize this issue of our identity in Christ. All right. In our entertainment segment, I'd like to ask my guests if they have a book or movie that they would recommend to youth or families, especially if it's related to our topic of the day. And Chris, uh, you told me that you actually do use a movie regarding identity. So uh, what's that? Yeah. So I use this movie. It's called Bright Ones and it's found on Amazon Prime. And it's about these youth who are told by their teachers. So they're they're competing to get into this like art school and they're told these people, they're like, you're going to perform in a talent show and we want you to use your gifts as children of God to perform, to get into the school. And each student has their own struggle. Like there's an orphan, there's someone that struggles with their parent, there's someone else that's like a bit of a troublemaker. And then they each have their own special talents and they have to find a way to express it through these different forms of art which is perfect for the segment because one of them even sings one of the praise and worship songs. What is it? No longer a slave. I think that's what it's called. And in it, it says I'm a child of God. So it all connects back. And it's actually, it's a really entertaining, it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, sounds like it's explicitly Christian. And for what ages do you think? I would say probably 10 and up, possibly eight, but the students are probably in like the grade six, seven, eight range in the film. Is that the age range that you showed it to also was kind of middle schoolers? Yes. And what kind of reaction did they have to the movie? They really enjoyed it. Some of them didn't know. They may have forgot what the movie was called. So like afterwards, I'm like, what's this movie? I want to watch it again when I get home. It's like I told them, it's like, They all seem to really, really enjoy it. Excellent. Well, Bright Ones is the name of the movie so that our listeners won't forget it. And it is on uh, Amazon Prime, you said. And um, all right. So, Chris, so we've been talking about your book, about, you know, who you are as a person. If our listeners want to find out more about you or get a copy of your book somehow, where would you like them to go? So you can get a copy on Amazon and Barnes & Noble in in the States. You can purchase it there as well. So my website is cdsmithauthor.ca. So Chris, it's been a, a pleasure having you on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I, I wish you all the best with this first novel. And how many more novels will be in this series? I'm looking at doing three. So right now I'm the second. I'm hoping that it's out by September to November. So that's my goal for the second book. 
Wonderful. Well, I wish you all the best with that and good on you for continuing to work with our youth and trying to encourage them to find their identity in Christ and, and putting that into your, uh, into your writing. I think that's wonderful. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. Uh, we've been speaking with author Chris Smith, also known as C.D. Smith, about helping kids to find their identity in Christ. Again, this is Anthony Barone Colank. If you have a question or a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a line on my website, antonycolank.com. Uh, and then you can also learn more about the Harwood Mysteries, my series for teens on there. Until next time, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids. You're listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. And now a word from author Peter and Jimmy, who is the host of Your Prayer Intentions, taking place every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Whether you're donating money or giving us prayers, without you, we don't go on. And if you do want to help us go on, please consider going to wqphradio.org. There's a donate button there. You can give once, you can give monthly, and it makes a difference. It keeps all of our shows, and we have a great lineup of shows, keeps us going. And whether you're a fan of uh, your prayer intentions, or whether you like Steve's show, Benedict's Hammer Sundays at Midnight, whether you like Brother Matthew and Brother Anthony from From the Housetops, which is on Sundays, 10.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Whether you're a fan of the Children's Rosary, which we have every day at 5 p.m., seven days a week. Whether you like our local matter show, which is Saturday at 11, or Talk Catholic, which comes right after us at 12.30, or Dan and Tom with the 13th Apostle, which comes just before us at 11.30. Any of those shows and all the stuff you donate, you help these things come out. But what also at the WQPH website, in addition to podcasts of our shows, is the prayer wall. Right on the prayer wall, support WQPH and get WQPH 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WQPHradio.org. Tim Kilcoyne of Talk Catholic airs Saturdays at 1230 on WQPH Radio. And I have the privilege of introducing a good friend and a newcomer to the team at WQPH, Larry Domenico from Clinton, Massachusetts. And uh, Larry is a musician par excellence down there at the Sunshine Cafe on weekends for that matter. And he is going to do a show called Larry's Music Loft. And I just like to get a little intro from Larry as to what we can expect. Hi, Tim. Yeah, this is a whole new thing for me. I've been playing music all my life, and you approached me where you had this spot open, and you asked me, would you like to do a radio show? And I've listened to radio all my life. It's exciting. I'm, I'm yeah. not a kid anymore, but <laughs> I grew up li listening to the radio, and I heard a lot of the music that I, I ended up playing on mm. the radio. I think a lot of musicians did. So radio is a very important tool, I mean, as far as musicians go, because it's all listening. Mm. You know, and it's listening to music. The first one is going to be about Irish music, okay. which I like a lot. It's folk music, and it's got a lot of depth to it because it tells stories. Mm. And I want to tie in how a good song 
has a good story with morals in it. You know, good morals. Yeah. The first song is going to be Hail Queen of Heaven because I always set my set when, when I play lives and clubs and stuff. So it's going to be my theme song. Beautiful. The other songs are patriotic songs where when you look at virtues, patriotism is a Christian or a Catholic virtue and the Irish are very patriotic and I think a lot of the American folk songs got that inspiration from the Irish because okay. our greatest writer was George M. Cohan who was Irish and wrote some of the best patriotic American songs ever written. Okay. Their songs have a very catchy hook to them. Okay. The melody that people in pubs or people on the street yep. or anyone who hears the song can remember it because of the catchy melodic hook yeah melodic line they kind of sing along they are very creative to each song yeah. which is powerful yeah so you've got powerful stories in the song a good story is about what who what when where and why and they've got a lot of detail about characters nice. in battles or characters leaders you're describing what constitutes good music larry <laughs> good melody with a good storyline huh exactly another song if you think of from the the sound of music edelweiss okay another song Austrian. That, that's very patriotic yes yes that's my homeland forever and a little catechesis in between am i hearing that yeah i'm gonna have a little comments like the unicorn song i make the comment about well if you don't follow god's commandments you might get swept away by the unicorn <laughs> beautiful beautiful but i grew up catholic when i was young but i fell away for many years mm -hmm. and my choice of music has changed music is on a unique plane that you can't really put it in a box it's an expression of the soul Yep. that is on a different level than the, just a written word. He who sings prays twice. Sounds like you're bringing back good music to me. And uh, we're delighted to have you on WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. Okay, God bless, Larry. Well, I want to thank you and Marianne for giving me this opportunity. Well deserved. Larry's Music Loft, Sundays at 11 a.m. right here on WQPH. If there was just some proof, I would believe it. Is that your view on religion? St. Anthony of Padua Parish in New Bedford wants you to know God still speaks to us today through signs and miracles, real events that you can witness with your own eyes, facts that have no natural scientific explanation. Come and see for yourself as evangelist Tim Francis presents the evidence of miracles and their powerful effect on your faith. Hello, my name is Tim Francis. And wow, do I got a story to tell you. I get to travel the country telling the greatest story that hardly anybody has heard. In fact, when I first heard this, I said, why is this not on Oprah? Why is this not on Larry King? Why isn't it on Pierce Morgan? This is the story of a famous TV journalist who along with a scientist and an attorney filmed and recorded what has never been filmed in the history of mankind. All three were atheists. All three are now devout Roman Catholics who travel the world showing that science can definitely validate faith. In Tim's presentation, you'll hear about and see film documentation of miracles. You're gonna witness the lady experience the wounds of Jesus Christ and a modern person. This is not 1300 years ago. Today, you're gonna witness this. You're gonna see a statue of Jesus Christ that cries and bleeds. And you're gonna witness a piece of wheat bread 
that turns into living heart tissue. All of this has tremendous meaning. There's a message behind every miracle. Stir up your faith with Signs from God, Miracles and Their Meaning at St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in New Bedford, May 22nd through the 24th, from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Same presentation, three evenings. There is no charge. For more information, call 508-993-1691 or go to stanthonynewbedford.com.